Good morning. Nice to see that uh, so many have survived Christmas and New Year's pretty well intact. And it was, it was a good season, wasn't it? Especially as we were able to join together on Christmas Eve and come together on New Year's Eve for communion. Uh, it's always wonderful to see how God continually works in the lives of his people. i put this water down before I spill it. <laughs> but New Year's is a wonderful time. And it uh, really gives us a lot of chance to stop and to reflect, doesn't it? Now this New Year's, this morning, um, I'm also, as I look forward to what lays ahead for us in the life of our church, and thinking about the idea of new beginnings, I'm reminded also of the opening line of the U.S. Air Force song that we heard several times a couple of weeks ago at Josh's graduation from officer training school. It says, off we go into the wild blue yonder. And I'd say from where we sit, you know, just basically hang on because we're in for a ride. It's, uh, you know, we've just gone through a long, challenging year together, haven't we? But at the same time, we realize that we are launching into a new one. And the words of our text today, we are pressing forward. We're, we're looking to an exciting journey, and, and especially for what God has in store for us. But in this new year, we are really actually beginning a, a new chapter in the life of First Alliance Church. We haven't been in this position in a very, very long time. And with the new leadership coming in, the new lead pastor, it's just just going to be great. Mark Harris Harris will be here next week to begin his tenure as our lead pastor. I believe that Mark has the heart and the passion to lead us into that next level of what God has in store for us. And I think as we rally behind him and in support and prayer, that God will do great and awesome things through him. I am personally very thankful for our board of elders and our search team who worked so hard and so diligently, spent many hours over this, and probably more than anything else, hours of prayer, seeking God's face, seeking his will. And we believe that God has now answered. And so we want to be in prayer for Pastor Mark and his family as they make their transition to Erie. And that they would sell their home easily in Wisconsin. um, And make their way here. So let's be preparing our hearts and ourselves for that new chapter in our church life. Also this month is another time of new beginning. On January 30th, we're going to launch a new beginning in our children's worship as well. Now, you can probably guess I was going to say something about kids because I got my kids' tie on. I told somebody, well, this tie was blue when I came in this morning and checked on a Sunday school class and they were hand, finger painting. And no. <laughs> But um, it's an exciting time. On January 30th, Our gymnasium is going to be turned into a children's worship center. There will be activity stations for them as they come and they check in early for Sunday school and for children's worship. 
and even the elementary classes, Sunday school classes in the first hour are going to begin with a period of, of worship before they go to their classes, and then they will have the, the regular classes that they uh, would normally have. But in the second hour, grades three through five will have a whole new worship experience called Rock Solid Worship. Now that name was chosen from our primary goal of building a rock solid foundation in our kids' lives. And we kind of base it off of uh, the idea that uh, we want to build a foundation based on the gospel of John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. Now the, the teaching that will be involved in there will come in a variety of formats. Speaking, puppets, drama, music. We'll be using a variety in there. But one thing that will be common in here, though, is that the themes, the teaching themes there will be tied to the themes that you will be hearing in here. And our goal for that is that when families go home on Sunday, then they have something in common to discuss. And what, what, was you, what did you hear about today? Well, this, and well, that was ours too. And we want families to be able to discuss what they learned that morning so that we can, they can enhance their own family spiritual life. So uh, we'll be coordinating very closely with Pastor Mark. Uh, as he develops the themes for in here, we will be uh, in, in, in uh, synchronous with him. However, however, though, this new adventure, and this is a pretty big adventure for us as well, and it's going to require a large team working together to pull it off. There will be smaller teams with some important roles, but some working with the kids, and then some even behind the scenes, such as setting it up on Saturday evening or tearing it down on Sunday afternoon. But still, we will be part of a larger team. Now, some of the teams we'll need include praise, worship praise team, uh, prayer, setup, tear down, creative art, drama, snacks, games, resources, greeters, and quite a few more. We're even looking for some musicians who can write original music for us, particularly a theme song for our rock-solid worship. Uh, others to play instruments during the worship time. It is going to be a very exciting adventure, and I believe it's going to take our children's worship to a whole new level. Now, some may wonder why I'm making a, a big deal out of a new children's worship format. Well, it's because I believe that reaching children for Christ, teaching them how to love and worship God, how to live and grow in Him is one of the most critical things that we can do in the life and ministry of our local church. In his book, Rock Solid Kids, Larry Fowler says there are four basic attitudes that churches have about children's ministry. The first one, the first attitude that some churches have <clears throat> is that simply children or a bother. We have to take care of them, especially during the worship service. Now, there has to be children's church because 
the children, if they are in the main service, then they will just dis- distract the attention of the adults. And we don't want that. <clears throat> so we want to have something over here for the kids. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just keeping them quiet. Even if it's just a video, we want to keep them quiet and during the service time. We mainly, mainly just want to keep them entertained until they are teenagers. And then we can try to reach them with the gospel. Now, I believe that that attitude is just wrong on a lot of levels. And I am so thankful that that is not the attitude. It's not prevalent here in this church. Because, you know, if we have not reached children for Christ by the time that they are 12 years old, then our chances of doing so decrease dramatically. Even their moral foundations are pretty well set by the time they're five years old. And their spiritual decisions are often made by the time they are 12. The second attitude is that children are a tool. Now this view is, is yet to be practical and, and it's probably common in a lot of churches. I mean, children are uh, potential tools for reaching their families and pastors know that one of the most effective means of growing a church is through an effective children's ministry. Now, whenever this attitude is, is present, there is approval of children's ministry and in comparison with the first attitude, Children has more value to the church leadership. But the problem here is, though, that when it comes down to it, the children are seen more as a tool to, as a means to reaching a higher goal. Not the kids themselves, particularly, but we want to see the church grow, so we'll do it through the kids. A third attitude is that children are our future. And I hear that comment a lot. Well, that's, you know, they're our future. They're our future church. And, you know, of course, that is true. And this, we understand that if we do not, do not minister to children, if we don't bring them to the Lord, then Christianity will die out. I mean, it'll just die from attrition. We recognize through this that children are the means of carrying the message to, through the next generations and the gospel, keeping the gospel going into the future. Now this view, it, it's, it's essential, but on its own value though, it's inadequate. Because when this attitude is present, there is appreciation of children's ministry. It receives attention, workers are recognized, and adequate facilities and curricula, you know, they're a concern and want to be provided. But yet it does not fully recognize the present value and worth of children. Which leads us into the fourth attitude, that children are people. And I believe that this view is the best because it is biblical, and I believe it best represents Jesus' own view on kids. Now, when the disciples saw the little children coming to Jesus, Parents were bringing their kids up, and they were wanting their kids to be blessed. Um, the disciples got a, got a little bit out of shape about that, and they tried to chase them off. After all, you know, they, they didn't see 
people, they just saw a potential bother, an interruption. And maybe that, that old attitude, children are to be seen and not heard. Did you ever hear that one before? Particularly as a kid. <laughs> but, uh, but they didn't see them as real-time people. Maybe as maybe future, but not now. Don't bother us. But Jesus' response to the whole situation and to the children coming is a totally different perspective. He didn't say to the disciples, let the little children come to me because they are our future. Rather, he scolded them. And he said, let the little children come to me for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In other words, it wasn't just because of their future value but because of their present value. The little children were important to Jesus. Jesus saw them as real-time people who needed him. Now to Jesus, children were not a bother. They were not a tool. They were not someone with a future value, but a real person now. Jesus stopped what he was doing and he gave the children his full attention. Now this last attitude that children are people is one that that I believe that we want to communicate in our children's ministry. Children are to be seen. They are to be heard. They are to be ministered to just like every other person in the church. They have thoughts. They have feelings. They have ideas. And they are a valuable resource in the present life of our church. Children are important to Jesus. And they are, should be, important to us. And it can't just be me as a children's pastor or Sunday school teachers or Awana leaders saying it. It's got to be the attitude of the whole church. Because actually, everything that we do in the life of this church, whether it be children, youth, or adults, outreach, everything that we do has to have that whole approach. And so we have to see our children as part of all of that. And that we're, indeed we are investing in the future with our children. But we also have a resource right now with them. I get some really great ideas from kids. I have to filter some, you know. <laughs> they'd love for me to set up PlayStations. And, uh, there's a lot of things that you know, kids like to do. But they really give me some great ideas, some great inspiration. And then we need to see our kids as a great resource for us. Our Board of Elders recognize the importance of effective children's ministry. And they have given their enthusiastic support to this new plan. So we want to invite you to pray about how God can use the skills and the talents that he has given to you so that you can help our kids to become excited about worshiping God. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on this, 
But I wonder how many of you at one point or another have had to drag your kids to church. We are going to church. This is a church-going family. Get dressed. We're going to church. Well, turn it around a little bit. Think about how much fun it would be, how exciting it would be if our kids drug us to church. Mom, Dad, we got to get ready. we got to go. So even if you choose a small role and never interact with a child, you'll have an important part of impacting young lives. We have a display table out in the foyer this morning, and uh, you can get more information. And I want to invite and really encourage you to stop by and talk with Christine, and she will very happily tell you about how you can be a part of this team. And there are things that you can do as part of this that wouldn't even involve you having to miss being in service. As I said, there are background things that need to be, do, be done. But if we want to develop this church as an intergenerational congregation, that our ministries are truly intergenerational, you won't want to miss out on the fun, the excitement, the tremendous blessing that comes in, that is involved with being involved in a young child's life. Those of you who are already teaching or in Awana or are already involved, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But please pray about this, how God can use you to help our kids to come to see what an exciting adventure it is to worship God and to experience His presence among them. New Year's is also a great time for a new start in our own lives. Now, many of us, I'm sure, over this past weekend or recently have made resolutions for the new year. We always have something about ourselves or our life that we want to change, that we want to improve. Um, <clears throat> usually has to do with body build. <laughs> I lose this weight, or I ate too many cookies over Christmas, now I'm going to exercise more, and yeah, I'm sure Jim's going to get more crowded for a while, but uh, we all have things that we want to make different about our lives, don't we? And so, as a tradition, we often will make resolutions. But unfortunately, many of these resolutions usually don't last past, past February, do they? Uh, we get a great start. But then we just slide back in to our old habits. But I would suggest that we do not need resolutions. Because resolutions really are only a matter of the mind. I mean, we decide and we determine that we are going to do something. We are going to do things. We're going to do whatever. We're going to do it differently now this year. But the problem is if we don't have it, we have it in our mind, but if we don't have it in our heart, it's just simply not going to last. What we really need, not resolutions, what we really need is revolution. A revolution turns things upside down and inside out. It does away with the old stuff and it begins something New. I think this is what Paul was talking about in our text from today. From today, that everything 
of this life that we count of value is really just trash, garbage. In some translations, it talks about the dung heap of life. That it's all just nothing. It's bad and worthless when it's compared to the riches that we have in Jesus Christ. The old life is put behind and we press on to the new life that he offers to us. But whatever gains to me were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So our resolutions are meaningless because they really only come out of the will, out of a decision that's made in the mind. A revolution is necessary because it involves a change. It involves a transformation. That which is old is changed and has become something new. In a revolution, things are never the same. It's not only a a new way of thinking, but it's new passions, new desires. It's a new drive and focus of the heart. Some of today have tried resolutions and have failed miserably, present company included. They know that their life is a wreck, and they desperately want to change. They want something new. One of my favorite movies is The Hunt for Red October. John Connery plays a Soviet, a Russian submarine captain. And he's absconded with a new submarine, a ballistic missile submarine that's sole purpose is a first strike uh, weapon. And he's defected with that. And as he's sailing into a harbor in Maine, he remarks to uh, the American that's with him, he says, you know, a, a little revolution can be a good thing from time to time. And I think that is something that we need to look at in our lives. Having a bit of revolution to change things around and to do away with the old. Now, we've just celebrated Christmas about God becoming one of us. He did that so that he could pay our penalty by dying on the cross, by raising from the dead and offering new life to each and every one of us. What Jesus did on the cross makes it possible for us to be raised into new life through him. And that's what we've commemorated and we've celebrated together today as we've worshipped around his table and, and, and expressed our remembrance and thanksgiving. His body broken, his blood shed to, to satisfy the demands of God's law. Because we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Spiritual life isn't even there before we come to Christ. There's no hope of us finding that life on our own. 
Now, some think that devotion to religion is the means for uh, getting uh, eternal life. But Islam can't get anyone to heaven, no matter how many times a day you pray. Hinduism can't get us there, nor can Buddhism or Shintoism or any of the other isms that are found in this world. Because in reality, they are just philosophies that help people to sort of live a a good life, but they are of no spiritual value. This may shock some, but I would suggest that even the Christian religion cannot get anyone to a home in heaven. Because no baptism, no church membership, no anything that we do can do anything to save us. The only thing that brings us into favor with God is a relationship with him through Jesus Christ through the work of Jesus Christ, through his finished work on the cross, where he paid that penalty and broke his body, shed his blood, that would remove that sin barrier between us and God. There's no special formula, no ritual to follow, but simply belief and confession. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says it very clearly. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Agreement, belief, profession. It really is that simple. In Mark 10:15, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. We simply have to believe and trust, just as a child would, without all the adult sophistications that we carry with us to the spiritual approach. So maybe today you are in need of a revolution. Forget about the head resolutions. Life changes will happen only when you have a heart change. Our resolutions of things we do will not affect internal. But when we have the heart change, when we have that new life within us, then that affects us outwardly. And so our life changes will come as a result of that new change in the heart. A new way of feeling leads to a new way of thinking. Now, the rest of us who are already believers could also benefit from a new beginning today as well. Now, no, we don't need to get saved again because that's a once-for-always deal. But the thing that many of us may need is a new commitment to discipleship. Now, it's very easy to find ourselves going through the motions of the Christian life, but it's without the fire and without the passion that we once felt when we first gave our lives to Christ. But today we can kneel again before that cross of Christ 
And we can throw down the burdens that we have picked up along the way. To throw off those things that we have allowed to creep into our lives that, that, that have begun to take a prominent place in our life and separating us in, that, in our close fellowship with God. Now last week, Pastor Dave called us to a new discovery of the power of prayer. And of course, that is something that we all really, really need. We can never get enough prayer. We never experience enough of the power of prayer. But maybe materialism has captured your heart, and now you may, maybe you have a problem of idolatry. Maybe your heart has gone cold and you've placed God on a shelf with the other relics of your life. Maybe, and here's where you can just simply fill in the blank, and your walk with God is not what it should be. Now the great thing about the new year is that it gives us the perfect timing for a new start, for a whole new beginning. Now someone once said, no one can go back and start a new beginning, but anyone can start today and make a new ending. Now remember our story about Scrooge in A Christmas Carol that we looked at last month? He wasn't given a chance to go back and undo the mistakes in his life. What Scrooge was given was the opportunity to start new and change the ending. Remember when he saw that headstone with his name on it? He said, is there nothing that I can do to remove the etchings upon this stone? Well, that's what he did. He went back and he started again and changed the ending. Now, there are no do-overs in life. We don't start over as if the past never happened. But we can begin anew right where we are, making things new and better in our lives. So how did 2010 end for you? Would you want a new ending for 2011? How do you want the end of your life to turn out? Now, whether you're a believer or not, please know that this could be the very best new year of your life. Your life can be filled with hope. It can be filled with peace. No matter what comes your way, no matter what 2011 has in store for you, you can face it with hope and peace because of that presence of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Not a resolution this year, but a revolution. A whole new beginning. Let's pray. Dear Father, it is wonderful that, as, that we can look at these opportunities to, to just start anew. Lord, as we change the calendar and the numbers change from one year to the next, Lord, it gives us a fresh opportunity to take a look, an evaluation of where we are in our relationship with you. And we would just simply ask that you would shine the light of your presence 
into our lives, that you would illuminate even the dark recesses and the corners of our heart and mind. Show us, dear Father, things that we may harbor, things that may interfere in our walk and relationship with you. And maybe some here today, Lord, just simply need to take that first step of faith and know you as Savior and to begin this walk of new life. But Lord, whatever it, wherever we are in our walk right now, I just pray that you would speak to us through these moments and that, Lord, you would move within us the power of your Spirit so that we can make that revolution that our life will be changed and from this point on never, never the same again, but yet walking in the power and the glory of your love and your life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.